I want to share kind of to rearticulate why do we do this prayer and what I've heard through this entire night of testimony. And to do so, uh, we'll go to Second Chronicles 6. I want to read just a couple, uh, two verses. When he built, the temple was built by Solomon, it was called a house of prayer for all nations. When Jesus came to the temple in his earth walk, he drove out the money changers and said, you know, you've, this, is, this is my father's house. It needs to be a house of prayer for all nations. So, but you think about that. What does that look like? And if you take Second Chronicles 6, you do it on your own. This is the prayer of Solomon dedicating the temple. And he's not dedicating it as a place where those who are strong and successful and capable can come and be together. It's those who are in need. Every one of us tonight have talked about the need that we feel. The, the, as long as I didn't repent or mention my sin, it just got worse. So just that coming forward. So this is like in verse um, 20, 20, 29, I believe. Yes, 29. Second Chronicles 6, 29. Solomon's kind of wrapping up this prayer. Whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, when each one knows his own burden and his own grief and spreads out his hands to this temple. That's the posture of being received. When I know my own burden, the word burden is often translated leprosy. When I know my own issues that are crippling me, keeping me down, I, my own grief, the sorrow, the things that I don't want to go up and get out going. And I spread out my hands to this temple. There was something about this posture seen throughout the book of uh, Psalms. He says, when that's happening, prayer, supplicate by anyone or everyone, when each one knows his own burden, his own grief, and spreads out his hands to this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. The key for prayer is to be heard. And forgive. And Second Chronicles 6 is, that's the goal of prayers. First response of God, when he hears me, he forgives me. You say, well, I don't think I need forgiveness. Yes, you do. We're all off on something. And I like what Peter was pointing out because, you know, mercy triumphs over judgment. And judgment will be without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. So hear, forgive. And give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men. So God knows all our hearts. All of the living body of Jesus Christ, throughout the world, all that gather here at Jubilee, he knows our heart. He knows my heart far better than I know my heart. But when that moment happens, then there's something wonderful can happen. Because in Second Chronicles 7, 14, God answers Solomon in a dream about his prayer. And verse 18, uh, verse 12, let's just begin in verse 12. He said, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. The word humility is to bow your knee 
to the presence of someone great, like to the king. You come under his capacity and pray. To pray means to have an honest appraisal, to be honest in our prayer. That's why I love this prayer and encourage anyone who can come and give yourself time. You will find that the connection you'll start having with God is different than the one that we can have when um, probably in any other place because the synergy of agreement starts happening. And they turn and they seek my face. The goal of life is to seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways. Then I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I'll heal, I'll hear, I'll forgive, and I'll heal. If you can humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. Now I know Psalm 139, if you'll allow me to take us there. This is such a beautiful psalm by David, a man after God's heart, who writes the entire psalm around the sovereignty and watchfulness and love and care of God. But the last two verses, he, in 23 and 24, he makes this his prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. I don't know about you, but usually when I'm kind of out of sorts, it's because I don't know my heart and I'm not aware of my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So to turn from our wicked ways, we need God's help. We really need God's help. That's why our prayer, Peter, thank you for that, the hospitality of mercy. Because that's what uh, Helen, you saw, that the Father had his arms wide open to receive those coming, both broken, contrite, and they were returning. That's what God's doing right now. So I want to pray this prayer over us, and then we will take a moment, and we can break into small groups, pray for each other, anything we've heard tonight, or anything we're hearing in Second Chronicles 13. So if you'll stand up. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that it is reminded in the Scripture and forever that your holy temple, the house of prayer for all nations, was not for those who were righteous to come, but those who understood their need and needed your help and came brokenness and honesty, humility, took ownership. Lord, we are learning to take ownership for our own stuff. God, if you were to show me all my stuff, I would be overwhelmed in one moment. I great. Thank you that, like Larry prayed, that there's a, you have a way to bring us face to face with the stuff you want us to see. Father, in the name of Jesus, we desire that you would hear from heaven, forgive, and heal our land. So from this night, we ask again to start our daily prayer with humility, approaching you in honesty, not um, trying to sort our stuff out because really the most important thing in our honest pursuit is to seek your face because your face is life and brings us to our future. But also in the face we seek, you become uh, conscious in our conscience and we begin to be aware, oh man, I need, I need help here. I need mercy here. I need forgiveness here. 
and so we can turn from our wicked ways. That which is taking us captive to do the Satan's will. We come and we can receive forgiveness. Lord, we receive this right now in Jesus' name. We receive it for your whole living body that gathers in Jubilee. We receive it for the Wednesday fasting prayer that it would, you would add more people like you brought Kenny back. You would just begin to release the people that you've called to be here one heart at a time, one day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. We have 10 minutes. If we can break up in groups of two or three people and share your story. What are you hearing? What, what did you hear tonight? Let's make sure everybody's involved. Uh, yeah, Eddie, right over there is your... Yeah, and yeah, bring... Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. And I want to talk to everybody online, so if you take me out of the house. Okay, so we just finished 2 Corinthians 13. Which to me is, I don't know what it is. It's like my favorite book because it's so true to the present state we find ourselves in. Not because First uh, Corinthians, it's all about the conflicts that are going off and people are not knowing or seeing any problem with what they're doing. Now Second Corinthians, there's a, there's, a, there's a spirit of repentance that's taking place. There's a... There's a recognition that some things have happened. We now need to, uh, you know, show our love. We need to forgive. And yet, it's not because we just pat, gloss over it because the forgiveness is extended because we don't want the devil to build into someone despair, hopelessness, anger, no resolve. Then we talk about this new covenant, chapter 3, the new covenant of the Spirit. We had the covenant of the law that Moses brought down from Mount we have the cup of the spirit that Jesus sent down from Mount Zion. The letter gave death. The spirit gives life. The letter brought condemnation. The spirit brought righteousness. And this glory, the glory that was on Moses, was minimal compared to the glory now that's here by the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus Christ to us. So it's one of my favorite chapters. Chapter 4 is just as powerful because it shifts on to the fact that uh, we are beholding in the face of Jesus the glory of God. And when we behold the glory, we're, we're have, this is that transformation problem, just to come and see him. That's why seek his face before you turn from your wicked ways. Don't make it about you and how bad you are. Just turn it to Jesus and how perfect he is, and then he will start to shift already. So he goes on and he says, the cool thing is the treasure that we're carrying is from God. It's not us. We're just, you know, we're in all kinds of predicaments. We're cast out, but not forsaken. We're, we're tossed to and fro. It's just, but it, we're carrying in our life's experiences the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus could be manifest in our flesh. That seems kind of totally counterintuitive. But at the very end, we saw, it says that if, um, therefore, since we have, uh, we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. While we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are, they're temporary. They're just for the moment. But the th things that are not seen are eternal. So this is a powerful uh, way we carry this glory. We carry this treasure. <laughs> we walk through life in our frailty, our weakness, 
And it's so the resurrection life, it's so the glory of God, it's so the transformation can be. Chapter 5 went on to go on and say, if we, we, if we were to pass, if our tent, our tabernacle no longer was present, couldn't ho host us, then we're going to be clothed with immortality with Jesus. So we want to be anxious to, to enter into that future. Because when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. And to be present in our body, we're absent from the Lord. So there's a, a place yet to come to. But he says, we've got to remember, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to give an account for everything that was done in our bodies. We're going to share the story. The only exception are the things that we have come to terms with and confessed and, bit, and received forgiveness and now live from a new place. That's why I love to repent. It's my goal every day. Let me think a thought I haven't thought. Let me come to a, remember a thought I forgot. And then let me come to the knowledge of the truth that's being shown me so that I can then come out of that captivity and literally just be made free. Come into the, the free, freedom of I see that, I get it, I understand it, and then I can escape the snare of the devil who took me captive to do his own will. So chapter 5 ends with the beautiful picture that for he who, um, it was he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there's reconciliation, constantly be reconciled to God and God reconciled to us. Chapter 6 deals with this um, acceptable time. This went out back to the heart issue. Um, we've been dealing with heart issues so that you can bring your heart to the Lord because um, you need to come out of what's capt capturing you and you need to not try to hold your place. Chapter 7, he jumps in back to the story of the man, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 4 who had been sleeping with his father's wife and living in that fornication, that immorality, sexual immorality. And now he's telling us, you guys, this is really, I didn't do this just to judge this man. I did this so you could see our care for you. It's real, and we don't want any, anyone to be lost. And then he makes a point, and I want to read this. It's in 2 Corinthians 7. Verse 8, for even if I made you sorry, even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. So he's talking about what he had to be very hard. For I perceive that same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now listen, this is the key. The world is perishing under the weight of the sorrow of the world. But there's a sorrow of God that allows to go into a whole other place. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer the loss for a month in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. There's never a time when I am brought face to face and come clean, and God addresses something that I might not have seen before or was trying never to look at. And we have a moment and repentance that brings salvation. And then I have no more regrets, no more hiding. It's like the woman at the, at the well. 
come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Of course it is. The Christ has come to liberate us. So he goes on and explains that this, this was what was behind the letter. This is behind Titus. This is what's happening. For I observed this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. In all things you prove yourselves to be clear in this matter. So there's freedom. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. Chapter 8, chapter 9 is, is the giving, excelling in giving, uh, letting it be grace, the grace of giving. Without grace, we cannot give. And it's just very powerful, especially when it talks about you had a heart to do it, but now you've got to finish it. Because you don't, are not measured by your intentions. That's what Brian said. You're not saying, I want to give all that, but I didn't get it, so I can't. You're, you want to give from what you have, and then you want to fulfill the, what you commit to give. Chapter 10 is spiritual warfare. Now, this is so important because we are living in this earth, but our weapons are not from this earth. Our weapons are not of the flesh. But it says, for the weapons of our warfare, verse 4, 10, 4, are not, are, are not carnal or worldly or fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, watch where the strongholds built casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God keeps us from knowing him bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ this is our battle every man's battle is to bring our thoughts into subjection to bring them into captivity so that they obey Christ that's why reading the scriptures is so powerful because we allow truth to begin to frame our thinking and we no longer ask our thinking to be coddled and changed by circumstances. We say the truth is the truth and this is the freedom that I'm going to agree with. And you find that you're liberate inside. Chapter 11 and chapter 12, the Apostle Paul has to defend his apostleship because everyone's talking to him like, well, you're just kind of weak. You know, you're bold. You're strong in those letters. But you show up, you're kind of unimpressive and your speech is pretty timid. But he had to say, I'm coming back. When I deal with this, I will be in, in person what I have been in letter. And I want you to repent. I don't want you to go into this. I've, I want us to ex grow our faith to get there. And then he talks about all the, he, he, he starts in chapter 11 saying, I'm going to be a fool. I'm going to boast about my relationship, my journey in Christ. And he keeps saying, this is foolish, foolish, foolish. He even goes all the, all, all the way into chapter 12 about the revelations he's had in Christ, in heaven, in, in paradise, high place. And they were words that were, could not be uttered. They were just powerful. He was given a thorn in the flesh. Devil came to, to uh, stop that, the, the messenger of Satan. And he sought God three different times and said, please, please, Get this out away from me. That wasn't like three short prayers. Those were three seasons of prayer. We've all been in those seasons. And what happens in um, verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon you. So God says, no, I, my grace will make up for this. My grace. 
Grace will build the boundary. My grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect. It's perfected in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the p power of Christ may rest. And it literally means tent upon me. <laughs> habitate over me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs, persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, verse 13, chapter 13. Uh, and the last verse, I love this. 13, 14. And I'm going to release this over us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful book. Let's keep going. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to come back in the house. I want to release a blessing over the rest of us as we go on and go forward. And you can keep praying. Don't stop. But I want to just release us to move into the night. Dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, you gave us the book of Corinthians to walk with you for 13 days. And you taught us many things. Some we're aware of. Much we're not. But we ask that the, the spirit that the apostle Paul carried and walked in one would be upon us. Humility, simplicity, sincerity, and the grace of God. We would not move in the fleshly wisdom and we would not try to uh, move in harsh judgment. But even as Paul had to deal with a difficult situation, there came a time he said, we've got to restore this person. We've got to reaffirm our love, and we can't let the devil get in here and have an opportunity. So, Lord, do this work. Do this work in us so that we can go forward into what you're offering us and what you're bringing us into now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, on the, on the website is our Bible, Bible reading. We start a new book tomorrow, and we will be... Uh, the 13th of August, we're going to do uh, the Day of the Lord, a study in uh, end time prophecy, a whole day, day seminar, and I'm looking forward to that. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. And continue presenting yourself before the Lord with your scripture and listening with your heart and praying with your mouth and letting the Spirit of God and the truth of God bring the sanctification he's doing in all of us. In Jesus' name.